سلام عرض میکنم Good evening. Uh, my name is Abbas Emilani. I direct the Iranian Studies program here at Stanford. I welcome you all to our program tonight. Special note of gratitude to Ms. Shirine Abadi for graciously and generously accepting our invitation to join us. In the course of the last few years, her willingness to accept all of our invitation and participate in many of our programs has been for me a humbling honor. I also welcome some of Stanford's luminaries who have accepted our invitation to be here tonight. We are celebrating the singular life of Shirin Ebadi, screening a movie that chronicles aspects of that life and at the same time invariably showing solidarity with the unique movement in Iran's history and the women's movement for gender equality and secular democracy as it is happening in Iran these very days. These are, I think, the most historic challenges to the Iranian regime in the last 44 years, and they embody the best aspirations of Iranian women and Iranian men. By sheer coincidence, and as another indicator, of the indispensable role of women in Iran's fight for democracy are two other events this week, both highlight women. To introduce Ms. Abadi, Mr. Hamid Mogaddam has agreed to say a few words. In the Stanford community, Hamid needs no introduction. But as we are live streaming this event on our Instagram, let me just say Hamid represents the best of the Stanford's tradition of entrepreneurship in America, of the Iranian diaspora, and its dedication to a democratic Iran. He's a co-founder and CEO of one of America's most successful corporations, and I have seen how, over the last 20 years, every hour of every day, he's also thinking about Iran and how he can help the transition to a better tomorrow. After his comments, we will screen the second half of the film that focuses on Mrs. Ebadi's human rights activities. The screening will be followed by Professor Deborah Satz, the Dean of Stanford School of Humanities and Sciences. By the time our details for tonight were finalized, her schedule was already full. We were particularly grateful for her willingness to juggle her busy schedule and make room for this event. But her effort is, in one sense, completely understandable. Her acclaimed work of scholarship are all focused on questions of ethics, justice, feminism, democracy, and why certain things should not be for sale. The contours of Shirin Ebadi's life is a living tale of these conceptual discussions. The comments will then be followed by a question and answer period with Ms. Ebadi. There will be mics on the aisles where you can ask your questions. She will answer them in Persian, and I have the honor of translating them for her. This event has been sponsored by the Iranian Studies Program and the Freeman Spogli Institute, and thus closing remarks will be made by Professor McFall, the director of that institute. Professor McFall, as well as Professor Diamond, both eminent scholars of democracy 
have played a critical role in the evolution of Iranian studies at Stanford and the Iran Democracy Project at Hoover. The success of tonight's event, as well as all of our other events, is more than anything else due to dedication, congeniality, and efficiency of Ms. Parhat, our capable associate director, and Mr. Errico, our tireless program coordinator. Welcome to you all. Thank you for coming. And thank you, Mr. Mugadam, for saying a few words. Apple comes through again. Uh, good evening, everyone. It's uh, great to be here with you, and welcome to Stanford. Um, every time a Nobel laureate visits Stanford, particularly as a guest of the Iranian Studies Program, it's a cherished moment. But a visit by the first Iranian woman to win a Nobel Prize, the first woman to be a judge in Iran, at this moment in history is particularly significant and noteworthy. Iran is experiencing a critical moment in its long history, a movement led by women and under the now universally recognized name of Mahsa Amini and the slogan of women, life, freedom. Many observers have been surprised at what they see as the sudden explosion of such a vast, mature, and women-led movement. But this shouldn't be a surprise. The Iranian Studies Program at Stanford has held more than a dozen events with Iranian women as part of a series of discussions on their movement in Iran. Women from all political persuasions talking about their struggle for equality and democracy. Tonight's celebration is in a sense a continuation of these conversations. Even a cursory look at the life of Shirin Abadi offers ample clues of why today's movement should not be a surprise, but considered a natural continuation of the relentless struggle of iconic figures like Ms. Abadi. For more than half a century, Shirin Abadi has been the icon for the struggle of women in Iran, demanding a more equitable place in society, particularly in front of the judiciary. She's been fearless in her willingness to defend some of the most politically charged cases, and then in the court of public opinion of gross abuse of justice, of lawyers, and of prisoners of conscience. She has defiantly faced the wrath of the regime, even, even as a Nobel laureate, and has never relented in her struggle for justice, for democracy, and for the rule of law. From the time she first visited Stanford, right after she was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2003, until today, Shirin Abadi has used her stature as a laureate, as the voice of, as the voice of the voices, a dedicated advocate for democracy, and a fearless fighter for the cause of women. Her words are always measured, sober, and serious. For the last three years, she's been tireless in exposing egregious behavior of the regime towards its critics, particularly women, and trying to convince the international community that a new Iran is not just possible, but it's a necessity. She's, she was a pioneer in trying to get FIFA, speaking of the World Cup, to pressure the Iranian regime 
to, um, to engender apartheid. When it came to women attending live soccer games in Iran, which of course was banned, I had the good fortune of writing an op-ed uh, with Dr. Milani and Ms. Um, Abadi demanding the action from FIFA on this topic. In short, Shirin Abadi, along with other women activists like Nasrin Sutudeh and Nargisa Mohammadi, are beacons of hope for a secular democratic Iran. Um, with that, let me just get out of the way and let you enjoy the uh, snippets of the movie. I'm really excited to see it. Thank you. Good evening. I'm Deborah Satz. I'm the Dean of the School of Humanities and Sciences at Stanford, and I'm also the Martin Sutton Weeks Professor of Philosophy and a specialist in ethics. It's an honor to be here and to be able to make some brief remarks on behalf of the school. And I want to just start with giving some thanks. First, to Shireen Mbadi for your important work, for your bravery, for your lifelong advocacy for Iranian women and children. Next, to Iranian studies and to FSI for co-sponsoring this event. And finally, to Hamid and Christina Mogadam for their foundational support for Iranian studies here at Stanford. The most powerful language we have for expressing humanity's claims the claims that each of us has, regardless of our nationality, race, sex, social class, or religion, is the language of human rights. While it's sometimes contended that human rights is a European idea, or more pointedly, a colonial idea, struggles for human rights occur across the globe, and these struggles know no boundaries. Moreover, Every one of the world's great religions and traditions has elements that sound the song of human rights in different registers. Consider this poem by Saadi, a luminary of 13th century Iranian literature. And I took a translation off the web, so I hope it's the best translation. <laughs> human beings are body parts of each other. In creation, they are indeed of one essence. If a body part is inflicted with pain, other body parts uneasy will remain. If you have no sympathy for human pain, the name of human you shall not retain. So this poem really powerfully expresses the idea that we are a common humanity and that the stranger's suffering is also of concern to me. And that's, a as I say, a 13th century idea in Iran. Universities, well, as we know, uh, the struggle for human rights is ongoing in today's Iran. 
a powerful wave of protest shows the world once again the resilience of a people fighting against authoritarian government and against the oppression of women. From street demonstrations to songs and dance and poetry and film, women, along with workers and students, are advancing a legacy of struggle against authoritarianism in Iran. And women have played a leading role here, upending a lot of stereotypes about social movements and about women in the Middle East. Universities like Stanford have a special obligation to educate students and the public and to advance our understanding of all aspects of our world. One of the central pillars of that obligation is exposing our students to different cultures and histories than their own, and of course, sometimes exposing them to their own cultures and histories, which they may not fully understand. That's why globalizing our curriculum has been such an important priority to the School of Humanities and Sciences, and why the program in Iranian studies is so important. A second pillar for us of our obligation is instilling in our students a sense of their civic obligations, their responsibilities as members of communities, small communities like Stanford, relatively small, of their own countries, and as fellow travelers, at least for a time, on this troubled but beautiful world. Instilling civic responsibility isn't just a matter of rote knowledge transfer. You don't become a good citizen just by reading about citizenship. It involves confronting current forms of injustice at home and abroad, seeing yourself in others, feeling the pain of others, listening to others, learning about things that are new and different, and sometimes engaging in discussions that stretch your sense of what is possible. Tonight's event is one way we materialize our educational and our civic responsibilities. Shireen Abadi is one of the most remarkable human rights advocates of our time and we're all very fortunate to have the opportunity here to learn from her. Thanks. Uh, as we announced earlier, thank you very much. Uh, uh, as we announced, there are mics here. And those who want to ask questions, please uh, go to the mic. Uh, there's a mic back there as well. Uh, and uh, we shall call on you. Uh, you can ask your questions in English or Persian. She will be answering in Persian, and I'll be translating uh, for her. Stand. Um. خانم ابادی در همین لحظه که ما اینجا دوستان کنار هم دیگه جمع شدیم هموطنانمون توی ایران من جمله کودکان به فجی ترین وضع ممکن کشته میشن به دختران و زنان جوان تجاوز میشه 
بیش از شست روز از انقلابی که رهبرش فقط و فقط خود مردم هستن گذشته و جمهوری اسلامی مسئولیت هیچ کدوم از جنایتهاشو علا رقم واکنش های جامعه بین الملل برعهده نگرفته و تحریم ها علیه ایران بیشتر جنبه سمبولیک و نمادین دارن شما به عنوان یک زن کسی که سالها طرفدار حقوق بشر بودین به عنوان اولین زن پرنده جایزه نوبل تو ایران فکر میکنین آیا این انقلاب بدون رهبر میتونه به سرانجام برسه فکر میکنید چقدر دیگه باید قربانی بدیم تا کافی باشه برای جامعه بین الملل تا راهبردی غیر از ابراز تأسف برای ایران داشته باشند به غیر از ابراز امیدواری صرفا برای ایران چه کاری فکر میکنید میتونیم انجام بدیم اجازه دید ترجمه کنم سوال رو بعد As we sit here and peacefully talk about these events, children are being killed in Iran, women are being assaulted, are being raped. There is no reckoning. The Iranian leadership accepts no responsibility. The pressures, international pressures on Iran are merely symbolic, even the sanctions. As the first woman who has won the Nobel Prize, uh, do you th how long do you think this revolution can continue without a leadership? What, does, uh, what do we need to do in order to convince the West that they should do something more than simply showing sympathy? What do we need to achieve victory? تناظر بود به اینکه ما میتوانیم بدون رهبر پیروز بشویم یا خیر باید بگم که دوران داشتن یک رهبر واحد گذشته اون دفعه که رهبرم داشتیم چه تاج گلی سرمون زدیم حالا دنبال رهبر میگردیم ادامه بدم about the part of your question regarding uh, leadership, uh, I, I think uh, we can, uh, in fact, continue without a single leadership. I think that days for one charismatic leader, one uh, solitary leader has passed. Furthermore, the last time we had one of these charismatic leaders, what the hell did we gain? in <laughs> بدون رهبرم نیست رهبرانی دارد ببینید وقتی که جوانان محلات تو هر محله ای تعدادی از جوانان جمع میشن و با هم دیگه در ارتباطن اعلامیه میدن همه میان بیرون یا وقتی که خارج از ایران فرزن خانواده قربانیان پرواز اوکراین بیانیه میدم ببینید سر تا سر جهان هر جا که یه ایرانی هست صدای بلند میشه اینا چی اینا رهبرا گروه های مختلف رهبری هستند و هر چقدر این انقلاب طولانی تر بشه از جهت پیدا کردن رهبران واقعی بهتره برای اینکه رهبران واقعی هین مبارزات مردمی هستند که میان بالا رهبری که از قبل 
تعیین شده باشه که بخواد دستور بده اون آخرش دیکتاتوره Furthermore, I don't think this revolution is without leaders. It has many leaders. When students in a neighborhood organize and issue a proclamation and everyone comes out to demonstrate, that is leadership. Uh, when uh, families of the, uh, those killed in the gunning down of the Ukrainian flight make an announcement and ask every Iranian from every corner of the world comes out in the streets. These are different leaders. These are different groups that have leadership position. The longer this movement goes, the more capable and elected leadership will emerge. Those who have predetermined themselves as leaders will emerge only as dictators. که دولت های و مردم غرب بوی خون رو در ایران بشتود نادیده گرفتن آنچه که بر ما گذشت اما الان به لطف جوانان مبارزی که در داخل هستند صدای انقلاب آنچنان رفته بالا که حتی گوش های کره حکومت های غربی هم دیگه مجبور بشنوه حالا مجبورشون کردیم که ببینید این حکومت 43 ساله با مردم چه رفتاری کردن حالا دیگه مجبورن الان آغاز شنیدن صدای ماست بگذاریم از گذشته ها که چشم بستن بر صدها بیگناهی که کشته شد حالا مجبورن چشمشون رو باز کنن و ببینن در خواب قفلتی که اونا فرو رفتن این رژیم حتی چطور تهدید شده برای خودشون فردا اگر مسئله انرژی هستهی رو ببندن امضا بکنن یا نکنن هرچی دولت ایران کار خودشی میکنه الان فردور قناتسازی 60% شروع کردن خود حکومت میگه یعنی اتا اینجاش اعتراف کرده حالا یه چیزایی هم زیر میز داره برای اینکه ما حکومتی که میشناسیم خودمون اون حالا ببینید زیر میزاش چه چیزایی خطرناکی برای همین حکومت هایی که کور بودن سالها جنایات این رژیم رو تو آسین دارن حالا میفهمن صدای مردم کجاست و این آغاز پیروزی مردم ایرانه به همین دلیل ما پیروز میشیم صدامون انقدر بلند شده که به گوش همه رسیده Uh, for many, many years, uh, the smell of oil, unfortunately, did not allow Western powers to smell the blood of Iranians. They ignored uh, the atrocities of this regime. But now, today, because of the defiant struggles of the Iranian youth, the deaf powers of the West no longer have any choice but to hear the voice of the people. This is the beginning of our voices being heard. This is the beginning of an end of their period of muteness. This is the beginning of their recognition that they have been in a slumber 
and many of the regime's atrocities has been forced on them as well. It doesn't matter what they will do with the nuclear deal tomorrow. The regime will do its own shenanigans. It has already started enriching uranium at Fardu, and it itself claims that they are now enriching uranium at 60%. I would be not surprised if they have other dangerous surprises. The West is now beginning to recognize that it has been fooled. The voice of our people is being heard. It is our voice that is going to become stronger every day and force the West to recognize the necessity and the need for democracy. Um, sooner or later, this brutal regime will be overthrown. And we have to be prepared for a demo democratic government. One of the most important notions of a democracy is the constitution. What do you think about the Iranian constitution? Is there any qualified group of lawmakers that are working on the constitutions these days? I am, I am sure we do not want to postpone this important topic until after the victory. Thank you. گفتن که سالش این بود که دیر یا زود این رژیم سرنگون خواهد شد و ما باید آماده دموکراسی باشیم و یکی از ملزومات این دموکراسی یک قانون اساسی دموکراتیکه آیا شما از تلاش‌هایی از طرف گروه‌های صاحب نظر گروه‌های حقوقدان برای تدوین قانون اساسی برای یک دولت دموکراتیک آگاهید آیا فکر می‌کنید این تلاش باید شروع بشه یا نه ببینید قانون اساسی رو که حقوقدان نمی‌نویسند نمایندگان منتخب مردم با کمک از حقوقدان می‌نویسند ولی نوشتن قانون اساسی خیلی راحته من می‌تونم چلاحت ساعت اتاق بشینم در رو خدا ببندم یه قانون اساسی کاملا بدم بیرونم اون فقط به درد خودم میخوره قانون اساسی باید مورد تعیید نمایندگان مردم باشه کانستیتوشن از نات ریتن شود نات بی ریتن بای لایرز و جورست ایت شود بی ریتن by the representative, elected representatives of the people in consultation with jurists. It isn't difficult to write a constitution. I can uh, close the door, go inside the room, and in 48 hours produce a constitution. But that constitution won't be worth much. I won't exactly say what she said, but <laughs> you can guess. Salam, Khamid Doktor. ابادی شما سمبل آزادی هستین برای ما زنان ایرانی خیلی برای شما احترام داریم من مانی اردلان فرادی هستم نتیجه علی اکبر داور وزیر ادالت شما با خواهرم داور اردلان مصاحبه داشتین وقتی در نروژ مدال نوبل دریافت کردین خیلی به شما سلام دارم من در سنفورد کار میکنم بخواستم یه سوال بپرسم راجب اگه اشکال نداره به انگلیسی 
we wonder if the protest could trigger the UN Security Council to take Iran to the International Criminal Court, uh, particularly for Kurd and Baluch genocide. We are Kurdish. Um, and I wanted to ask, because Iran is not party to the Rome Statute Treaty, the court investigation has to be initiated by the Security Council, whereas if it was a party to the treaty, another country could take Iran to the court. Uh, what is your, your opinion on whether that's possible? Um, she said uh, you uh, are the icon of, of Iranian woman and the fight for freedom. I have a great deal of respect for you. I am the granddaughter of Ali Akbar Davar. For those of you who don't know, Ali Akbar Davar is essentially the founder of a secular judiciary in Iran. Under, during the Great granddaughter. And you uh, have met my sister uh, in... Uh, so, uh, the question that she has is, do you think that these demonstrations could eventually lead? Oh, I, 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 uh, <laughs> ببینید بستگی داره به تعادل قوا در شورای امنیت چون این مسئله اگر بخواد اتفاق بیفته بالاخره باید از مجرای شورای امنیت عبور کنه این همه باجی که طی این همه سال جمهوری اسلامی به چین و روسیه داده و اینطوری منافع ایران رو به تاراج گذاشتن برای همین روزا بوده در نتیجه من علاقه دارم پامه بذارم رو زمین را برم و یه حرفی نگم که ظاهرش خوب باشه بگم بله انشالله قبول میکنن نه من در شرایط فعلی به هیچ وجه نمیبینم که چنین شانسی باشه که از طریق چین یا روسیه موافقت بکنن که ایران رو بفرستن دادگاه اما خب راه های دیگه هست که بشود ادالت رو اجرا کرد نمونش رو شما در مورد دادگاه نوری در سوئد دیدید حالا یک اصل دیگری تقریباً در اکثر کشورها قبول کشورهای متمدن قبول شده به نام اصل صلاحیت جهانی یعنی اگر کسی که مرتکب اعمالی بشود که وجدان بصری رو می آزارد آزرده میکنه مثل شکنجه مثل کارهایی که اینا توی زاهدان کردن یا توی کردستان کردن که مثال جدید 
اگر در کشوری که گیر بیافتن که معتقد به این اصل صلاحیت جهانی هستن که تکرار میکنم روز به روزم بیشتر میشه تعداد این کشورها اون موقع پای میز محاکمه راحت میشه اینا رو کشون چنان که یه دونهش کشوندیم حالا انشالله سر دراز داره بازم بقیرم میریم انشالله Whether the regime will be referred to the court depends on the balance of forces in the Security Council. Uh, and uh, I personally uh, don't see this as a possibility that the Security Council will refer to Iran to the court. All uh, the concessions that Iran has in the past uh, years made to China and Russia and all the compromises of Iran's national interest that has been made in this process has been precisely for this moment, for these kinds of moments. I like to be pragmatic. I like to be realistic. I don't like to be too optimistic. I don't see under the current circumstances that China or Russia will agree to send Iran to the court. But there are other ways of, take, of having the judicial reckoning. Uh, some of you know uh, that uh, the case of Nuri in uh, Sweden. Nuri was one of these uh, criminals who killed, uh, was res partially responsible for the death of about 4,000 people and has now been condemned in Switzerland. Uh, there is now increasing acceptance internationally for a new concept in law called universal sovereignty. If someone commits a crime, that is injurious to the common consciousness of humanity, like torture, for example, or like what this regime has done in Kurdistan, then in the countries that abide by this rule, and the number of those countries is increasing, then if one of these criminals comes to those countries, that country can take these, uh, that person to court. Uh, this is just the beginning, and I think there is a long road ahead but I see a lot of possibilities in that direction. Shabbatun bakhir, Khanum Doktor. Two questions. In this Flight 752 was mistakenly shot down. Is there independent investigation that has been done to determine that this was a mistake? To the point that we know that it has not been determined to the downing of that flight was mistaken or intentional. سوال دومم این که شما توی این فیلم فرمودین که مشکل حقوق زنان در ایران مشکل دین و مذهب نیست ولی مشکل مرد سالاری فرهنگمونه. اگه میشه کمک کنید قانعمون کنید که چرا مذهب رو کنار میذاریم؟ دینی که توی قرآنش داره میگه مرد دو برابر یه زن ارزش داره در مرس و میراس و اینکه اگه به یه جای حمله کنی میتونی زنها رو بچه ها رو به عنوان قنیمت بگیری چرا خجالت بکشیم از اینکه راجع به این قضیه صحبت کنیم و کریتیسایزش کنیم؟ مرسی سال بسیار بسیار درست اجازه میدید ترجمهش کنم؟ ببخشید من زیاد میکنم 
حالا من شما رو گوش کردم two brief questions uh, in the film uh, it is uh, you, you indicate that the downing of the Ukrainian flight was by mistake as far as uh, I understand there has been no uh, definitive uh, decision there is uh, likely that the downing of that was uh, intentional uh, some of you would know we had Mr. Hamid Ismailun here about a month ago and he is very much of the opinion that it was very much a decided effort to shut down that plane for reasons that are complicated. Anyway, uh, second, uh, in the film you say that uh, uh, we must separate the question of uh, women's right from uh, religion uh, and uh, that it is rooted in uh, uh, patriarchy and culture. Why shouldn't we criticize religion? Why shouldn't we criticize a religion wherein in its official religious text in the Quran, it says a woman takes twice as much of an inheritance where it allows a half, a man takes twice. Uh, when, oops, I apologize, I, I apologize. Uh, when it says uh, a woman and children uh, can be taken as slaves, why can't we make clear that we have these kinds of criticisms? سوال بسیار خوبی است. اون چی که همیشه باعث ستم به مردم میشه این است که مذهب یا ایدولوژی یعنی چه مذهبی چه ایدولوژیکی به قدرت میرسه و اون موقع است که در اون چارچوبی که خودش داره میخواد بابای مردم در بیاره و الا هر کس توی خونه خودش هر مذهبی رو میتونه داشته باشه پس بنابراین مشکل رو در جای دیگری باید ببینیم مشکل در استبداد دینیه که این استبداد دینی قبل از رونسانس هم در مورد حکومت کلیسا شما دیدید مسیحی هم بودن بابای مردم هم در بودن اما الان مردم کلیسای خودشون میرن زندگی خودشون هم میکنن یکی هم نخواست کلیسا نمیره به کسی هم ارتباطی نداره این اتفاق باید در اسلام هم بیفته در جهان اسلام بیفته کاملا مذهب باید از حکومت ها جدا بشه مبنای قدرت سیاسی فقط مردم هم. و نه مذهب یا ایدولوژی یک دوم اگر عامل بدبختیه و عامل استبداد فقط مذهب اسلامه اون وقت من شما رو یادآور میشوم به کشورهایی که مسلمان هم نیستن و چطوری مردم زندگی میکنن من جمله کره شمالی من جمله چی اینا که مسلمان هم نیستن آیا دموکراسی دارن ندارن اما اینا هم بدن برای اینکه ایدولوژی با حکومت قاطی شده مشکل ما اینجاست که 
این مذهبمون با حکومتمون یکی شده و بعد حکومت کلید بهشت گوشه تو جیبش همرم بازور میخواد داخل بهشت بکنه این بهش میگن استبداد دینی آقا یکی میخواد بره جهنم برش کنین نمیشه باید بری بهش این مشکل من هم میخوام برم جهنم This is a very good question. Uh, what causes distress to people uh, is when religion and or ideology uh, comes to power. Uh, if you allow people to exercise their religion in their private domain, uh, each can go their own way, and each cannot, and religion cannot become a force to. Uh, force against others. The problem that we have in, in Iran is religious despotism. Religious despotism can, becomes a problem even when their uh, religion is Christian. If you look at Europe before the Renaissance, uh, you can see what uh, Christians were doing to their own people and were doing to others. But now we have a different reality in the West. People can decide to go to a church if they want to, but they can also live their own life. This is what has to happen in the Islamic world. Religion has to be separated from the state. It has to be accepted that the sole basis of power are the people, not the religious people, not religion. Uh, if uh, Islam was the only cause of misery, why is there so much despotism? and so much uh, uh, failure of democracy in places like China and North Korea. Neither of them have democracy. In both cases, the problem is that religion has become <coughs> intermixed with authority. Uh, in our case, uh, in, in Iran, religion has become the tool of the state, and the state has further claimed that it has the key to heaven, and it is keeping it there and giving it, forcing it on people. We want to say to the, re to the regime, what if I don't want to go to heaven? I must have the right to do that. And of course, you don't have any right, the right anyway. Thank you. I would like to start with uh, thanking Professor Milani and uh, uh, Dr. Abadi. Uh, on behalf of our uh, compatriot Iranians in Iran and audience here, setting up this venue. Uh, my quest has uh, three parts, uh, one comment and uh, two questions. I beg your answer. Uh, first of all, I agree that uh, in the past, at least last 50 years, we had very ineffective leadership. And considering also, you know, the um, dynamics of our so social and historical, you know, uh, facts, um, um, it, it worries me that just, um, anticipating like you know this movement grassroots movements that is going against like a very central brutal uh, government with all facades and tools and uh, just grassroots and uh, mostly unformed um, movement we are going against this uh, monster so I, I strongly disagree that um, we can win this battle without any uh, dominant leader 
not the little, you know, singular. So this is my comment. Uh, my question is that, uh, considering that you know the first phase that's forming the uh, narrative, which beautifully done, beautifully by the kids around done, and it has a, a great cohesion and, uh, and, uh, and content, uh, but it's, it's likely that this can disintegrate and without good leadership dissipate again in the, in the uh, problems that has been there. So the question here is that, you know, uh, what do you think, you know, the main lines of leadership are coming up uh, that would serve to the benefits of this in a very cohesive and again conclusive way, considering that we have had problems in the past and internal and also geopolitics that going around, around and the forces uh, aren't uh, encouraging and in, in uh, supporting, uh, uh, let's say, singular Iran. Uh, what lines of leadership you, you are seeing that are coming up and they will be helpful to the movement and what weaknesses and problems you see that uh, they are ahead of us? I thank you your answers. Thank you very much for coming to this presentation. You said that with بدون رهبری میتونیم به موفقیت برسیم موفق نیستن فکر میکنن رژیم با قدرت کامل و با خشونت کامل در مقابله با مردم هست و احتیاج به یک رهبری متسجم داره سوالشون این است که جوان ها در ایران تونستن یک جریان به هم پیوسته یک قدرت به هم پیوسته ایجاد بکنن ولی با در نظر گرفتن تجربه تاریخ با در نظر گرفتن اینکه کشورهایی در منطقه هستند نیروهایی در منطقه هستند که تمامیت ارزی ایران رو به خطر میاندازند و خواستار تمامیت ارزی ایران نیستند چه خصوصیاتی رهبری مورد نظر شما رهبری که بتونه این گذار رو انجام بده باید داشته باشه چه خطراتی چنین رهبری رو تهدید میکنه و چه نقاط قدرتی باید داشته باشه باید بگم یکی از پروپاگاندا و حرفای نادرست حکومت این است که میخوان ایران را تجزیه بکنن اقوام کردها میخوان جدا کن باور نکنید اقوام ما قصد جدایی ندارن این فقط برای فریب مردم زده میشه اما خصوصیات رهبری چه باید باشد؟ در درجه اول به فکر منافع ملی باشه این مهمترین آمن است که به نظر من یه رهبر داره و بعد مورد قبول مردم باشه یه بار که شما امتحان کردید یه رهبری داشتیم گرشتیم رو سرمون آوردیمش چه بلایی سرمون آورد حالا من نمیدونم چرا باید دنبال رهبر بگردیم و چرا فکر میکنیم اگر یک انتخابات آزاد داشته باشیم مردم میتونن نمایندگانشون رو انتخاب بکنن همونطوری که میبینید تا الان بیش از دو ماهه که مردم چطور مرتب میان توی خیابون شما یادتونه 
کارگران نیشکر هفتبه چطور متحد و بسیار حساب شده اعتصاب کردن و در محدوده ایران به خواست خودشون هم رشیدن کارخونه رو از دست اون مالکش پس گرفتن یک بخش دیگری از خواستشون مونده بود که بایستی شورایی اداره بشه خب اون یه بخش هنوز نرسیدن بهش اما خواهند رسید این یه نمونه کوچکه بقیه کشور هم میتونه همینطور باشه چرا فکر میکنیم ما احتیاج به قیم داریم یه افرادی باید بیان حتما از قبل تعیین شده به ما بگن از این را برو یا از اون را نرو نه میتونیم خودمون شانس اینا داشته باشیم که انتخاب بکنیم البته دوران گذار یعنی فاصله سقوط رژیم تا استقرار یک رژیم جدید یک فاصله میافته این فاصله رو بهش میگن دوران گذار دوران گذار خیلی اهمیت داره در دوران گذار ادهی از افراد شناخته شده و مورد اعتماد بایستی دست جمعی با هم کار کنن که این دوران خطرناک رو سپری کنن اما وقتی که پای این رسید که صندوق رای رو بیارن وسط و مردم رای بدن مسلم بدانید اون موقع رهبران خوبی انتخاب میشن Let me begin by saying that I think this is a regime propaganda that there are people who want to break up Iran, uh, that some of the ethnic minorities are secessionists. I, I don't believe that they are. I think they say these things in order to fool the people. Uh, as to what qualities leaders should have, I think the first and foremost is that they must have national interest in mind. To me, that's the most important. The second is that they must be accepted by the people. Uh, once we chose one unitary uh, leader and we brought him to power, you saw what miseries he brought upon us. Uh, we must have free elections where people will choose their leaders. Uh, look at the uh, events in Iran. For two months now, People keep coming to the streets uh, without any apparent leadership. I, some of you might remember uh, the workers of the factory, uh, they united and they organized the strike. And they essentially achieved what they wanted. They wanted two things. They wanted to take back the ownership from the person that had claimed the, prop, uh, the factory. And they wanted to have a collective leadership in the factory. They did not achieve their second goal, but the first goal they achieved. This is a small uh, example, but the, for the rest of the country, the same 
can be achieved. We do not need a guardian. We do not need an, a savior to uh, lead us. Uh, we can uh, go through the process of picking our own leaders. But there is a period of danger. There is a period of transition, a period of transition from the moment this regime falls till the moment that that election can pick people's chosen leaders. It is, in my view, very important that in this period, people who, have, uh, who are known, who have uh, credibility, who have reputation, who are believed, whose integrity is believed by the people, uh, come together and manage this uh, period, this dangerous period of transition. Once the election process begins, uh, once this dangerous period is behind us, I'm convinced that people will pick the right leadership. اتفاقا سوال منم در همین زمین است در همین دوران ترانزیشن در همین دوران گذاره در همینجا خیلی از ما الان امشب که هستیم میخواستیم واقعا بفهمیم و به نظر شما رو راجع به همین اشخاصی که در این دوران گذار میتونن کمک بکنن و دارن کار میکنن رضا پهلوی نمیدونم حالا چقدر متعقلیم که طرفدار داره آقای اسماعیل یون دیدین کاراشو خانم مسی علی نژاد داره پرپر میزنه هر روز دارم باهاش مصاحبه میکنم نازنین بنیاد خود شما چرا ائتلافی گروه ائتلافی یک ترانزیشن گروه در آن تشکیل نمیدین نظرتون راجع به این جریان چیه دومی که در سخنرانیاتون اینور شنیدم که شما میگفتین بعد این رژیم یا افراد این رژیم رسیدن به یک بنبستی که نباید تو این بنبست بمونن تو این بنبست بمونن خیلی خطرناک میشه یک راهی بعد باشه برای سری از اینها که بتونن جایی باشه جایی بذاریم که بتونن برگردن روی این موضوع لطفاً خوده بیشتر صحبت بکنیم کسایی که مثلا میشنویم یک سرداری الان برگشته مثلا به ملت میخواد کار بکنه یک راهی بذاریم برای اینا uh, I, my question, uh, question Uh, there are many people who have been very active in the recent months and trying to take up the mantle of leadership. Uh, Reza Pahlavi is one of them. Hamid Ismailiyun is another one. Masih Ali Nejad is constantly talking about uh, the women's struggle. Nazanine Bunyadi, you yourself. Why uh, do you think this kind of a group cannot create a coalition to manage this period of uh, transition? Uh, second, in one of your talks, you talked about how we must leave a space for some of the people who work in the regime to have an option to join. You said we don't want to corner them. Please explain who are these kinds of people and how can we allow them to uh, join the movement? <laughs> نباید همه اعضای رژیم رو در یک بنبست قرار داد که راه پس و پیشی نداشته باشن باید یک راهی براشون ایجاد کرد که بتونن بپیوندن متنبه بشن ببینید اعتلاف برای دوران گذار البته خوبه 
بالاخره یک فاصله ای که افتاده و برای اینکه هرج و مرج پیش نیاد یه دی بعد بشینن یه تصمیماتی بگیرن که مورد قبول اکثریت جامعه باشه اما دو مسئله است اولا از کجا میدونی چنین اعترافی صورت نگرفته مگر حتما بایستی در پشت تلویزیون همه بیان بگویند که حسن حسین و تقی و نقی داره هم جمع شدن حالا ما میخوایم این کار رو بکنیم نه شما مثلا میدونید جوانان محلات توی هر شهری در ایران هست کیا هستن؟ نمیدونیم که اما هستن و میبینید که دارن کار میکنن اعتراف هم به همین صورته اون افرادی که میان اعلام میکنن آقا مجده چه اعتلافی کردیم ما شیش نفر دوره هم جمع شدیم اینا اونا حیاهوه اعتلاف واقعی دارن کارشونه میکنن بدونی که لازم باشه اسمشون هم همه جا بره نه همونطوری که شما دلتون برای ایران شور میزنه تک تک مردم ایران هم همین نگرانی ها رو دارن و از اون طرف برای اینکه عبور از این رژیم فاسد کم هزینه بشه بایستی حدال امکان کاری کنیم که ریزش نیرو از سوی حکومت بیشتر باشه هر چقدر طرفداراشون کمتر بشه هر چقدر اختلافشون بیشتر بشه به نفع مردم ایرانی خب برای این کار راههای متعدد و ابتکارات گوناگونی هر حزب و گروه و دسته ای میتونه داشته باشه چیزی که من خودم توصیه میکنم این است که شرمسار کنید خجرت زده بکنیم که ببین اینی که کشتی برادرت بود همسایت بود آشنات بود واسه چه رژیمی داری آدم میکشی یه لغم نون جلوی شماها پرت کردن خودشون دارن مملکت میچابن واسه اون حکومت داری آدم میکشی یه مقدار ایجاد شرمساری حالا یه اکتیویست دیگه ممکنه راحل خودشو داشته باشه به تعداد افرادی که دارن فعالیت میکنن راحل هم هست اما به این فکر کنیم که دائما اون طرف بایستی ضعیفتر بشه برای اینکه کمتر بتونه بکشه و خوشبختانه شروع شده همونطوری که گفتید یکی و دوتار هم نیستن بیشتره و بیشتر هم میشه شرمسارشون کنیم که ببینید چه به روز مردم آوردید زناشون رو بندازیم به جونشون یعنی چی؟ اینا هم زنش هم صبح به صبح میره خلیف میکنه 
بچهش هم میره مدرسه میدونید اینا رو باستی لای منگنه اخلاق قرار داد آقا ببین چه شرایطی ایجاد شده حداقل بیا بیرون و حتما یه خاطره دردناک رو امروز خوندین توی اخبار وقتی که تیم ایران در بازی آمریکا باخت یکی از بازیکن ها دیدین که نشست گریه کرد و خب همون بازیکن دوست صمیمیش تو شهرش آمده بود بیرون شادی میکرد که خب من اینکه به هر حال همه اون لحظه شاد بودن بدن بنا به دلایل خودشون زدن کشتنش حالا اون بازیکن که با اون به هر حال رفت بازی بکنه برای علا رقم این که مردم گفته بودن بازی نکن رفت بازی بکنه دفعه دیگه حاضر همون کارو بکنه هر دفعه یاد دوستش نمیافته که به وسیله همین رژیم کشته شد الان همه یه جمله هست میگن نونت رو در خون مردم نزن این خیلی جمله تکاندهندهیه بعد اینا رو شمسار کرد نونی که سر سفره یه زن و بچت میبری این آقشته به خون هموطنته نکن راه حرهای دیگری هم داره این چیزیست که من شخصا میپسندم Uh, the idea of coalition is, of course, for the period of transition, a very good idea. I have nothing against it. Uh, the, uh, in order to lessen the chaos in that uh, period of transition, it is very much uh, a good idea to have a group of people who, uh, whose ideas, whose decisions are accepted by the people, who can come together and make those decisions. But a couple of points. Why do you think such a coalition hasn't been made yet? Uh, the real coalition uh, are the ones who you do not necessarily hear about. Uh, why do you not think that the youth who come out in the neighborhoods every night have not de facto created this coalition? Secondly, those who uh, with great fanfare announced that the five or six of them have created a new coalition they are usually not doing anything serious. Uh, I don't think that uh, people take them that seriously. Why don't you think that the people of Iran are as concerned about their future as you and I are here? Uh, in my view, the best way to make this transition least bloody and least costly is to help uh, lessen the powers of uh, the regime and lessen their base of support. The more we can uh, weaken them, the more we can convince their forces to join the other side, the more we can make this transition uh, less bloody. There are many ways to get this done. There are many different people who are trying to do exactly what I'm saying. What I prefer to do is to shame them.
We have to shame them. We have to tell them you are killing your brother, your neighbor, for whom? For this regime that is p giving you a pittance and uh, forcing you to in engage in these criminal acts. There are many different ways to uh, convince them uh, of the uh, bankruptcy of the regimes. Uh, we need to weaken the other side. Anything that helps us weaken the other side is, in my view, the right way. Uh, one of the ways uh, uh, that we can do this is convince their uh, wives, their sisters, to join this. Uh, I think this process has begun. It isn't just one or two who are ashamed, who are ashamed by uh, their children, who are ashamed by their wives, who go out and realize that their uh, husband uh, has uh, engaged in this criminal act, these criminal acts. Uh, I'm sure you have heard the story uh, that came out today. Uh, as you know, the Iran uh, soccer team lost, and one of the players was weeping uh, on the pitch. Uh, his friend back home, some, someone with whom he played, uh, was amongst those people who took to the street to celebrate the defeat of the Iranian team. One friend played for the team, the other played, person went to the street to celebrate the defeat of this team. The regime shot that young man. Uh, and uh, when word gets to this player, do you think the next time he will go and with that much ease play for this regime? Uh, one of the slogans that has been extremely effective in the last few months, he says, don't dip your bread in the blood of your people. That is a remarkable sentence. We need to make this, uh, make them understand that dipping their bread in the blood of their people is not uh, the right path. My preference is to shame them through this process. اجازه میفهمید دوستان اگر موافقت میکنید چون وقتی نزدیک به اتمامه اولا کسی به سوال کنندگان اضافه نشه سوالاتون رو کوتاه بکنید منم قول میدم کوتاه جواب بدم که به همه برسه زمنان آقای دکتر هم خیلی خسته شدن Please uh, ask brief questions, and she will uh, uh, make me. brief answers. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> yes. Salam, conductor. Masari, me gam question. I'm on this fish. ما ما جزو یه سری گروه هستیم که الان 13 هفته است که حدود کسایی که توی بیریا هستن هر هفته شنبه ها تظاهرات می‌کنیم حدود بین 4000 نفر تا 7000 نفر میان و شعار میدیم و این هفته در اوکلند هستیم به هیچ گروهی هم وابسته نیستیم و پوزیشن این هفتهمون هم راجبه زندانیان سیاسی هستش آزادی زندانیان سیاسی هست من سوالی که ازتون دارم اول از اون می‌خواستم دعوتتون کنم که بیاین و سکیوریتی همه چی هم قربونتون هم میریم سکیوریتی هم براتون فراهم می‌کنیم 
ولی در کنار از این میخواستم بپرسم بگم واقعا ما به عنوان کسانی که توی بیریا زندگی میکنیم حدود 150 هزار نفر ایرانی در بیریا وجود داره ما این تظاهرات رفتن پیاممون چی میتونه باشه و چطور میتونیم به این جنبش ایران کمک بکنیم خیلی ممنون We are a group uh, of uh, uh, barrier uh, residents. Uh, it is now 13 weeks. Every week we go out to demonstrate. Uh, between three to 5,000 people show up. Uh, this week our slogan is free, uh, freeing of political prisoners. First of all, I want to ask you to come. Uh, we will provide full security if you come. Uh, but uh, our the question, my question uh, to you is, what is it that we can do uh, through these demonstrations to help the cause in Iran? Mamnun az davetetun kuta cevap bedam nemitunam biyam chun safar daram va hamun tori ke khodetunam intekhab kadid azadi zendaniyan siyasi khayl khube va har بار شاید یه شعار روز بدید از جمله میدونید یه دی در از معترضین رو گرفتن براشون در آستانه صدور محاکمه هستن اعدامش ممکن اعدامشون میکنن هفته دیگه شعارتون و خواستتون این باشه که اعدام نکنید هر هفته مناسی به یک مناسبت Uh, I, I will be brief. I can come because I'm traveling. Uh, two, uh, I think the uh, freeing political prisoners is a very good uh, slogan for this week. But my suggestion is that every week you pick a new slogan befitting the uh, hour. For example, uh, next week you should uh, uh, object to the court hearings that are ongoing. Uh, for several people, uh, they are going to ask for them to be executed. You should demand an end to these executions. Shabbatun bechir. Sepasu bi payin as tamam talashetun bar hukuk bashar tei hamei salha nazikter be maikbar. Maz falan danishid hashda hashastam khoda muhannisi mi khunam vali baradam hukuk dam bud koli bahs mi kani vaje parvandatun khel mamnun as tamatetun. در یکی از مصاحبه‌های اخیرتون شما گفتین که شورای گذار باید بخشی از بدنه حاکمیت رو داخل خودش داشته باشه اگه میشه شفاف سازی کنید که آیا هنوز به اصلاحات باور دارید چون من ندارم ببینید اجازه بدید ترجمه من زحمت می‌خوام began by thanking her for her tireless work uh, said i was a student uh, Uh, my brother was a law student. I was an engineering student when we talked about your cases when I was in Iran. In one of your recent uh, talks, you indicated that the, this uh, committee for the period of transition must include part of, parts of the current regime. Could you explain what part, or do you still believe that parts of the regime could be and should be part of this uh, coalition group? یه بار است که مردم شانس میارم مثل زمان شاهشا رفت و ارتش هم خودش رو تسلیم کرد همه چی افتاد دست انقلابیون وقت خب دوران گذارم همه رو خودشون گذاشتن این رفت اینطوریه خیلی خوب 
شانس آوردیم یه دفعه از اینطوری نیست تا لحظه آخر میخوان مقاومت بکنن مثلا آفریقای جنوبی رو در نظر بگیرید نشستن توافق کردن خیلی خوب ما حالا دیگه اصلاحه ها رو میذاریم زمین دوران گذار رو با هم تهی میکنیم و نوع حکومت عوض میشه در این صورت خیلی طبیعیه خواهون آقا هر دو طرف باید میشیرن حق بزنن ایدال اینه که اون طرف در سر شکست بخوره بره کنار اما اگر نخور چی؟ مثل آفریقای جنوبی مجبورین بیشینیم با هم حرف بزنیم این جبر زمانه نخواسته من و شما گفتگو مسلما نیازه ولی اینکه در شورای گذار بخوان همون شورای گذار برای گفتگو گفتگو نمیشنن که قرون صدقه هم برن میشنن صحبت بکنن که چیکار بکنن کشورشون رو اداره بکنن میم یه نمونهش آفریقای جنوبی دیگه که همه ایرانی ها دامن اون رو مثال میزنن همین کار کردن یه نمونهش نمونه دیگری اونی بود که در ایران بود مردم شانس آوردن اون موقع هیچ اتفاقی نیفتاد شاه گذاشت رفت ارتشان تسلیم شد همه چی شورای گذار خودشون تشکیل دادن با شورای انقلاب شورای انقلاب یعنی دوران موقت اما اگر اینطور نشد چی؟ شد مثل آفریقای جنوبی طبیعتا هر دو طرف باستی توافق بکنن یه در یه چارچوبی توافق بکنن که چطور این رژیم بره و رژیم آینده بیاد این یه چیز منطقیه حرف من نیست حرف منطقه حرف زمانه حرف سیاسته بله خیلی من I have uh, one small uh, announcement to make. I, I apologize for people who are standing to ask questions. Uh, time is up, running out. Uh, for You're going to like what I have to say. You're going to like what I have to say. Uh, no, right. no. Just, I have First to, of all, I, Persians, you are not alone. <laughs> okay. Every time in my life I needed help, Persians were there. I would not be alive without Persians. And um, so I'm here for you guys now. And Persians, you guys have friends. Use us. And my question is very simple. Uh, how do we stop a regime that is, how will Iranians overthrow a regime that isn't afraid to brutally murder them and have them outgunned? I think we will have that as the last question. I apologize. I think you like what I have to say, too. <laughs> okay, you'll be the last one. You say your question, because we are, Persians are known for their hospitality. We can't not give to our visitors. Please, go ahead. Oh, yeah, good evening. Uh, my name is Dorian Monroe. I study docu uh, master's documentary film here at Stanford University. I'm currently working on a documentary looking at the current state of religion and ways in which it can and has been divisive. 
I've been exploring what's currently happening with the women of Iran in the hijab. My question is, what are your thoughts on that situation? And, if it, and does it have anything to do with religion? And lastly, uh, is there anyone here from your team that I could talk to about possibly setting up an interview at a later time? Thank you. Her answer, let me be very brief. Uh, she said uh, what I said about uh, the period of transition uh, uh, is based on reality. Uh, this is the way transitions have happened. This is the way transition happened in South Africa. Uh, in South Africa, the opposition sat with members of the regime, and they decided on a path forward. Uh, if the regime... If, if the people don't have enough power to dislodge the regime, that kind of a transition happens. It has happened other places. In the case of the Shah's period, we were lucky. The Shah decided to leave, and this regime uh, uh, essentially managed the whole transition. So my hope is uh, that uh, we can arrive at a, the least bloody and least costly. So, uh, این خیلی گفتن که من زندگی ما مدیون ایرانی ها هستم خیلی تشکر کردن بعد گفتن که چطور میشه با یک رژیمی که تا دندان مسلحه و هیچ ابای از کشتن مردمش نداره کنار اومد و اون رو کنار گذاشت سوال ایشون این است که من دانشوی فوق لیسانس فیلم مستندسازی در استنفورد هستم دارم این فیلم مستند در مورد نقش مذهب میسازم نظر شما در مورد حجاب چیه و آیا میشه حجاب رو از دین جدا کرد و بالاخره اینکه با کی تماس بگیرم که با شما مصاحبه بکنم حجاب ارتباطی به دین نداره و خیلی از فقهای اسلام گفتن که اجباری نیست و آیه هجاب اساسا برای زنان پیغمبر آمده نه برای تمام زنان و میبینید که در قالب کشورهای اسلامی زنان هجاب ندارن و هجاب رو من بیشتر مبناش رو سنت میدونم یعنی روش زندگی بوده در مورد اینکه چطور با من تماس بگیرید حالا اگه بگیم تماس نگیریم بهتر نه اما خب ایمیل بعد بزنید من ایمیلمو به شما بعدم میدم که هماهنگ کنیم چشم so we're going to end with this uh, because we have uh, uh, Mike McFall, who's going to close the event. I know he's tired. Everybody's tired. Uh, so, she said, hijab, in my view, has no uh, relationship to religion. There are many scholars of uh, Islam 
who have said there is no uh, forced hijab. Uh, the parts of the Quran where there is a reference to hijab, according to these scholars, refers to only mandatory hijab for the wives of the prophet. It, it, there is no universal. Uh, and there are also many countries, Islamic countries, where women are not forced to wear hijab. In my view, it is something that has arisen out of tradition and ways of life. As to the ways to contact me, uh, I will make my email available to you and we can discuss. In the question, I said, but in this regime, I said, 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 قبول کنه و سقوط خواهد کرد این تاریخ نشون داده هیچ دیکتاتوری تا ابد نمیتونه در قدرت بمونه اینا هم سقوط میکنن That's a perfect way to end. Uh, a regime, as bloody as it is, is facing the opposition of more than 80% of the people. No dictatorial regime in history has been able to sustain itself when it has such an opposition. Uh, this dictatorship, too, shall end, I have no doubt. On that happy note, I ask Mike McFall to come and say a few words to bring us home. Let's just end on that note, please. Seriously. I, well, let me be brief. You can't leave yet. Let me, let me be brief. So I want to say two things. First, I want to thank Abbas, thank Christina Hamid for yet again an incredible event that we have here at Stanford University. Um, I have been involved with all these people for about two decades. In fact, I was talking. We met at Christina and Hamid's house two decades ago. Uh, by the way, I, I, I just want to say I have learned so much about Iran, Persian culture, uh, the, your society, and I want to tell you a little anecdote. I had never met somebody who had won a Nobel Peace Prize until at your house. These days I've met a lot of them, but 20 years ago I'd never met any of them. So I was really worried about being late, and I drove up and the traffic was horrible, and I think the dinner was at 6 o'clock, and I walked in at 6.14, and I was sweating Oh my goodness, I am late to meet Dr. Ibadi, and nobody was there. <laughs> That's when I learned a little bit about Persian time. But, so thank you for enriching my life. Thank you for enriching Stanford's life, Be being here then and now today, and you're always welcome back. I want to say two things in closing, one analytic and one emotional. Uh, I study revolutions. I teach courses here on transitions um, uh, and the fall of authoritarian regimes. I see Larry Diamond is here too. He does too. Uh, and one thing I want to say analytically is there are very few regimes in the world today that are as prone to collapse as the Islamic Republic, analytically, comparatively, over time. That's an analytic statement. Now, 
I also want to put a, a challenge to you, Abbas, and me, and Larry, and everybody here at Stanford. This conversation about transitions is a very serious one. I'm glad you brought it up. And let's be honest, there are some transitions that fail and some that succeed. And I think it's a challenge to us as an academic community to study that. What went wrong in Russia, Zimbabwe, uh, Egypt? What went wrong in 1978 in Iran? We should study that so that when that moment comes, you are prepared. And I want to take that on analytically as a challenge to Stanford University. But the second thing I want to say is emotional. Uh, there's a lot of rough regimes out there. Yours is not the only one. There's a lot of killing going on all over the world. And what always, you know, if you just look at the, the, the depressing lines, it feels like democracy's in crisis and everybody's failing. But, but I feel very differently for two reasons. One, because we are all inspired by these incredibly brave women students. For me as a professor at a place like this, watching my feed right now, you cannot but help but be inspired by these young, brave Iranian women, first and foremost. And two, you cannot help but be inspired by Dr. Ibadi tonight. Whatever you think analytically, whose side would you rather be on? The mullahs or hers? I'm on her side. <laughs>